0: Hallelujah, be solay shama. Hallelujah, be solay shiruah. Kale ani shama. Ta ya hallelujah. Okay. Shama. Hallelujah, be solay shiruah. Kale ani shama. Okay, we are now ready. To begin uh this morning's class <clears throat> we have some tech people over here getting uh everything set up. I'm sorry for uh the the um, miscommunication this morning. Are we on We're on okay there we go good morning everybody good morning this week's Torah portion is the portion of Bamidbar. It is the first portion of the new book, of the fourth book of the Torah. And the way Ezra established the readings of the Torah, it comes out that Bamidbar is read every year before the holiday of Shavuos. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the Torah. God dictated to Moshe letter by letter. Moshe decreed that we should learn Torah publicly or read the Torah publicly at least once every three days. And Ezra came along and said we should finish the Torah in one year and we should read the portion of Bamidbar before the holiday of Shavuot. So this coming Shabbat, this coming Shabbos, we would read the portion of Bamidbar. And the following week, which is th- Friday and Shabbos, we're starting Thursday night, begins the holiday of Shavuos. So always, here and in Israel, uh, the Shabbos before Shavuos, we read the portion of Bamidbar. And the question is why? Why is it so important to read the portion of Bamidbar before the holiday of Shavuos? There are basically two reasons why we read the the portion of Amidbar, the Book of Numbers, and the portion of Numbers before the holiday of Shavuot, which marks the day of the giving of the Torah on Sinai. The first reason is to separate the curses that we just read last week in the portion of Bechukosai. The portion of Bechukosai The final portion of the book of Leviticus talks about 49 curses that God will bring upon the Jewish people, God forbid. And the reason we read that is because the 49 curses is about cleaning out the vessels. In other words, being that on the holiday of Shavuot we receive a new dimension and a new revelation of Torah. Every year, God comes down to the mountain again. And once again gives us the Torah, but this year, with greater shock and awe with greater power and potency, so, as we explained last week, you cannot serve delicious steak and portobello mushrooms on dirty plates, and you cannot serve a delicious bottle of wine into dirty goblets, so you have to clean first the vessels, and that is the concept of these forty nine curses in the book of Leviticus, and the portion of B'chokoyisai, which cleans out and scours out the vessels. If that is the case, why don't we read B'chokoyisai right after or right before the holiday of Shavuos? Why do we need Bamidbar in between? And the answer is, we need one week to get back to ourselves after a major operation and going through major trauma. We need one week to recover. To be able to now have a sane mind and a clear mind to be able to receive the, the new revelation of the Torah and Shavuos. So that's why we have the book of Midbar, Midbar in between. It's the, it's the buffer. It's the buffer between the curses of Bechukosai and the holiday of Shavuos. Another reason is why we read the portion of Bamidbar, the Shabbos before Shavuos, is because to hint to us that the Torah was given in a desert. And God did not give us the Torah in Madison Square Garden. He did not give us the Torah in Brooklyn Heights, but God gave us the Torah in a Midbar in the desert of Sinai. And the question is why? Why did God give us a Torah in a desert? And this is what we are going to share this morning. A few reasons of why God gave the Torah in a desert and to try to internalize this in our daily life. Number one is it says that God gave the Torah in a desert to teach us that if a person makes himself like a desert in other words, he allows people to tread upon him or her, like the sand of the desert, then that individual will will acquire and be able to have the knowledge of the Torah. Because to receive the Torah, you have to be humble. Torah is compared to water. And water resides in its lowest location. If you're arrogant, the water will run down you you will not be able to contain it. Only one who is humble and makes himself low, so low like the sand of the desert, that individual will be able to receive the Torah, to maintain the Torah, and to contain the Torah. This is what the Gemara says in the tractate of edvin page 54, side 1. Another connection with the study of Torah and the Midbar and the desert is that just like to go to the desert you have to leave the city, you have to leave the populace, the, chasm- the cosmopolitan world, and you go out into a desert with which is no man's land, nobody's living there, and you cut yourself off from the physical and material world, you go off the grid, Only then can you acquire Torah, because Torah is about spirituality, Torah is about a relationship with God, and therefore you have to be like the desert, you have to leave the everyday world. That's another reason. A third reason of why the Torah was given in the desert is as follows, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. The reason why the Torah was given in the desert is because the desert is called in Hebrew a makom hefker. It's a place that is no man's land. And God is teaching us. The Torah is in no man's land. And therefore, anyone who wants to go and receive the Torah has the right to do so. No one has a monopoly over the Torah. No one can say, I own the Torah. But rather... The Torah is in the desert. It's in a place that belongs to no one. And therefore, anyone who wants to receive the Torah can do so. To elaborate on this concept, what does it mean the Torah is in no man's land? Seemingly, the Torah was given by God to the Jewish people. As we say every day, asherba harbanim mikol amim, God chose us from all the nations of the world. He gave us his Torah, which belongs to God. Blessed you, God, that you give us the Torah. So Torah is given to us as a gift. So it does belong to us. And it belongs to God. And he gives the Torah to us. So why do we say that the Torah was given in no man's land? The Torah should have been given in a public place, like Fifth Avenue, where many, many people go, which is called a public domain. According to Jewish law, a public domain means it belongs to the public, that each person has a right to be there. So why is Torah compared to Hefker, to no man's land? Why can't Torah be compared to a public property? A public location, a public domain, where everyone owns it, and everyone has part of it. So what's this concept, and how do we discern between a public domain and no man's land? Okay, to understand this concept, we look into the book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms, written by King David, the famous singer of Israel. The sweet singer of Israel. And David Hamelech writes in chapter sixty-two. He says a very interesting thing. King David says like this: that God spoke one word, but we heard two things. Now, what does that mean? Pertaining to the giving of the Ten Commandments, many miracles took place. One miracle that took place was God spoke both the first and the second commandment together in one saying, which is something that only God can do, a human being cannot do. So God said the first and the second commandment, which is, I am God, your Lord, commandment number one. Then he said commandment number two, which is, You shall not have any other gods before you. But both of these commandments were set together as one. So God said one commandment. We couldn't understand him. We turn to Moses and we say, Moses, we don't understand what God is saying over here. So Moses goes back to God and says, God, they don't understand you. Almighty God repeats the commandments again. He says now, the first commandment, then the second commandment. Now the question comes to mind, an obvious question. God knows humankind. He knows what he created. He knows that we don't understand two things at once. Even one thing we have a hard time understanding. And now God says two things together, and he expects us to get it. So what is this idea of God first said the first two commandments together? And then he repeated it separately. And this again is the meaning of the verse in Tehillim in Psalms. Psalm 62, Ahas Dibere God spoke one thing, however, we heard two things. In other words, He repeated it again for us to hear these two things. But God doesn't have to repeat it. God could do it in one shot and He could combine all Ten Commandments in one word. So, what is the purpose of God first saying it as one commandment and then separating it as two? So the answer is as follows. When it comes to the study of Torah, there are two aspects. There is the aspect of the creator and the aspect of the creation. The question over here is, what is the focus? What are we focusing on? Are we focusing on God or are we focusing on ourselves? So when it comes to the study of Torah, there are two aspects. There's the aspect of achas, to know that everything is one. Everything comes from God. God is giving us the Torah. It's God's Torah. It's not humankind's Torah. It's not man's Torah. It's not woman's Torah. It's God's Torah. God gave us the Torah. And therefore, for a finite mind to comprehend an infinite wisdom, we have to be totally nullified before God. And therefore, the prerequisite to study the Torah is as we say in our prayers every day, let my soul be like the dust of the earth. And then open my heart and my mind to your Torah. We have to be in a state of total self-nullification, in a state of nullity, to be able to understand and receive God's Torah. Here, the focus is on God. But if we only have this focus on God, that I am totally nullified to God, and therefore I'm standing in a state of trepidation, God is giving me the Torah, it's very difficult for me to comprehend the Torah, because I can't think, I'm so overwhelmed by God's presence, and by God's reality, and by the infinity of God's knowledge, there's no way that my human finite mind can comprehend God's infinite wisdom. So then there's a second step to the Torah. After we recognize that it's achas, there's only one God, it's only one Torah, then we now take it on to the next level, and that is Shtayim Zuh I now break it down into details. I heard two, and I heard Ten Commandments, and from the Ten Commandments, we have 613 mitzvot. The human being needs to break it down and understand it on our physical and limited level. And therefore, now the focus is the human. The focus is the creation. The focus is our significance, our understanding the Word of God. So therefore, these two qualities come together. You cannot have one without the other. If you only have nullity, then you cannot comprehend the Torah at all because you're nothing. You're insignificant. If you only have Two, which means the creation, the significance of the human being. Then you become arrogant. And then it becomes a new Torah. It becomes your Torah. But yet, it's not God's word anymore. And the Torah becomes very finite and very limited. So here comes the holiday of Shavuos, And we are told that we need two aspects here. We need to be able to, on one hand, recognize God giving us the Torah and therefore it's only one. Everything in Torah is one, is part of one God. As the Zohar says, that God and his Torah are truly one, just like God is one, everything in Torah is one, is part of this unity. And then we now take the Torah down to be able to understand it on our own personal level and to use our, our intellect and our intellectual faculties to be able to comprehend the Torah within the human mind. And this idea is also underscored when we look into the portion of Ba'midbar. As we began today's class, why is it that we read Ba'midbar before the holiday of Shavuos? The word midbar means desert, but also etymologically, the word Midbar is from the word Dibar, to speak. And we started with the word Bamidbar, base. Bays is two. There are two types of speech. There's a speech of Torah and the speech of Tefillah, of prayer. And the speech of Torah compared to the speech of prayer is as follows. The speech of prayer is from below to above. We are standing below and asking God for our needs. We know that God provides We know that God is the source of all life and all vitality and all good. And therefore, there's a mitzvah. There's an obligation upon every person to pray to God when he needs something. And especially in a time of a pandemic, especially in a time when the world is in a very, very dire situation, we have this obligation to pray out to God. And God wants us to pray. And he tells us we are commanded to pray. And therefore, to believe that our prayers are heard and to believe that God wants us to pray to him and, and to have and to have trust that we will be answered and that God will fulfill our needs, even if we perhaps don't deserve it, even if we perhaps are insignificant, even if we perhaps have many, many sins in our life. Still know the mitzvah of prayer is that I pray to God and I know God is the omnipotent and I know that God is almighty and he has the power to overlook our imperfections and he has the power to forgive us for our sins and he has the power to give us even if we don't deserve. That is the true meaning of betachon, the true meaning of trust and now at a time when the world is suffering we need to pray even more and we need to strengthen our trust even more than before. And this, again, is a commandment in the Torah. So this is the idea of the first type of speech of the Midbar, of the desert, from below to above, that we are insignificant and we are totally nullified before Almighty God. And then there's a second type of speech, and that is the, the study of Torah. And here, again, the underlying idea is that we study Torah with our minds, that God wants us to comprehend it. Not only to read it and to give lip service. But God truly wants us to unite with him through our understanding, through our intellect, through our physical finite mind. And that is the way we become one with God. It's interesting to note that the word Sinai, Sinai, has the gematria. If you add up the letters of Sinai, you have have Samach 60, then Yud is 10, is 70. Another Yud is 10, is 80. Then you have the Nun, which is 50, is 130. The word Sinai, which is 130, is the same as the word Sulam. It is the same as the word ladder. Why does Sinai? Sinai is a ladder going up and going down. When we pray, we go up the ladder. We are uniting with God. We are below. God is above. When we study Torah, God comes down to us. He gives us the Torah. As we said earlier, Torah is compared to water from above to below. This also sheds some light upon an interesting Kabbalistic teaching. It says that when Mashiach will come, when the Messiah will come, God will split the letter Mem into two parts on an angle. Now, the letter Mem, which looks like a square, it looks like a box. The letter Mem will be split into two. When God splits the letter Mem into two, in Hebrew, you have two-letter Dalids. One Dalid, which is right side up, and the other Dalid, which is upside down. And this is the split mem. Now, these two Dalids spell out the word David. And the Dalid also alludes to the word Dibor speech, implying that Mashiach will come through two types of speech. The speech of prayer and the speech of Torah. And that is why it's so important that before we learn Torah, we actually pray. Because by praying, we are are acknowledging that we are in a state of nullity before Almighty God. And then the Torah study that we study, even though it's done with intellect, is also coupled with humility and subservience to the will of Almighty God. So, going back to the two reasons, the two basic reasons of why we read the, the portion of Bamidbar. Before the holiday of Shavuos, we started off by saying the first reason is to be a buffer from the curses of the end of Leviticus. The second reason is because Bamidbar is a prerequisite to the receiving of the Torah, because Torah was given in a desert. This reflects these two ideas of the two levels of Torah. When we say that we gave the Torah, or God gave the Torah in a desert, and therefore the desert is no man's land, this reflects the level of being subservient to God, that we don't own the Torah. It does not belong to us. It's beyond... The public domain: I cannot actually go there and acquire it on my own, with my own finite physical intellect or physical powers. Rather, it has to be given from above. It's beyond man. It's no man's land. Rather, it belongs to God. So this is the first level of Torah that God spoke one, one commandment, and I heard many commandments. And then you have the second level that we read as a buffer in between the curses of Leviticus and the they of Shavuot. This is in order to give us the ability to recuperate after this traumatic experience. The focus here is on the creation. The focus is on us. And here comes the portion of Amidbar and unites these two ideas together. A, first and foremost, acknowledging God as the one who gave us the Torah and that the Torah is truly beyond us and therefore we have to be in a state of humility and nullity to realize we are truly insignificant to learn his Torah. And then we have the second type of Midbar, the second type of speech, which is a speech that is connected with our comprehension, with our intellect, with our, with our understanding, and with our knowledge. All of this is underscored as we enter into the holiday of Shavuot. As you know, that before God gave the Torah to the Jewish people, he told Moses to ask the Jewish people if they want the Torah. If they don't want it, maybe we'll give it to a different nation. And God tells Moses, and he instructs Moses, First, I want you to speak to the women of Israel. Then talk to the men of Israel. Why? Because ladies first. Why? Because if the women will not accept the Torah, the men are helpless. They are hopeless. It is only with the women accepting the Torah and supporting this Torah that the Torah will truly be eternal and the Torah will be everlasting. And so being that we are at a women's class this morning, it's important that once again the the women of the class understand that each and every year God again is coming to you and asking you, do you want the Torah? And you want the Torah means, A, to accept it on yourself and also accept the, the responsibility and the mission that God endows upon you to be able to be the lamplighter, to be the inspiration of the family, of the home, to inspire your husbands, your spouses to get out of the house to learn Torah. Or to open up a Talmud and begin to learn some Gemara. And to inspire the children, your sons and daughters, that they too should open up and and crack the book and and learn Torah and follow Torah and, and bring spirituality into their lives. So really, as we said many, many times, the women are the akere tabayis. The women are the mainstay of the home. They are the foundation of the home, implying that the entire house, the entire edifice of one's life is built upon the woman. Now, this is true and has been true throughout the entire history. But now that we are in a state of quarantine and that everybody is home, we see the role of the woman even more than ever before. So till now, I wrote a book, Thank You, God, for Making Me a Woman, proving and supporting the role of the Jewish woman and the woman in general, and explaining that even though the men sometimes go to the shul, but really Judaism and, and God and spirituality starts at home and is really always at home. But it's hard to, to fight that argument. Now we see it very clearly. The entire spirituality and the entire home and the entire life is now truly in the home. And, and who in charge of the home? Who runs the home? Who is the balabusta? Who is the master of the home? This is... This is the mainstay of the home, which is the woman. And from here we see how important it is. And the message of Shavuos this year, more than every other year, that it's all about the Jewish woman. It's all about the mama, the Yiddish mammet. It's all about the, the, the mother. It's all about the wife. It's all about the, the mainstay of the home. That truly brings sanity and joy and happiness. And the mood into the entire house. If she's in a good mood, everybody's in a good mood. If she's in a bad mood, everyone is in a bad mood. She sets the tone. And already at the beginning of the Torah, God implied this concept. And today, more than ever, we are living this concept. I just want to conclude with a story, a beautiful story. There was a, a businessman from the Netherlands who came to New York. to to make a business deal. He and his partner owned many hotels and they decided that eight of their hotels would carry an international name. There were two hotels bidding for this name. One was Holiday Inn and the other was the Marriott. They came to New York, they came to the USA to work out the deal, but yet, they were very tormented. They were torn. They weren't sure. Both hotels were trying to outdo the other. Inn wanted it. Marriott wanted it. And they couldn't decide. The partner tells his friend, look, let's go to the Oyho, Let us go to the tomb of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's a place of, of tremendous blessing and clarity. And there, God will give us an answer. So... As you know, God answers the prayers of the righteous and that the the righteous live on forever and ever. And so it's customary that we go to a place of a a holy tzaddik to pray when we are in a state of dilemma or shock or need God's intervention. And so they went to the oil and he wrote this letter asking the Rebbe for advice, should he take the Marriott, or should he take the Halidayin as his partners? And as he's sitting there, and he is contemplating what he should do, he looks down and he sees the pen that he has in his hand is a Marriott pen. He says, maybe all the pens here are Marriott. And he goes from table to table to table at the cemetery in the Ohel, And he sees all the pens are simple paper-made pens. And there was only one pen that had on it the name Marriott. That's it. And here he's sitting, writing a letter to the Rebbe. Should he take the Marriott? Should he take the Haldayin? And already the answer was given to him before even going into the actual tomb. But simply by writing the letter, already the Rebbe intervened. And gave him the answer to go with the Marriott. Here we see the blessings of Sadiqim That continue to bless us. Even after they leave the physical world. As the Zohar says. If not for the prayers of the righteous Tzadikim. The holy Tzadikim. The holy saintly rabbis and rabbis. Who have left this world. Who continue to pray. Every day for our survival. And for our health. And for our success, the world would have been destroyed a long time ago. And therefore, we call upon the holy tzaddikim to intervene on our behalf, starting with Rabbi Shimon Bayehoi and Rabbi Akiva. We celebrated their holiday just last week on Lachba Omer. And similarly, the tzaddikim of all the generations and the leader of our generation, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, to pray on our behalf to bring an end to this terrible pandemic, to bring healing to the entire world, As it says in the Talmud, when God gave the Torah on Sinai, everybody was healed. Those that were blind were able to see. Those that were deaf were able to hear. Even Moses that stuttered after the giving of the Torah, he spoke eloquently. He had no problem speaking because the Torah brings healing to the entire world. Even today, says the Talmud, if a person has a headache, let him study Torah. If he has a stomach ache, let him study Torah. Now, the truth is, sometimes you have a headache, and you study Torah, and the headache doesn't go away. So the answer is, because you have to know what part of Torah to study. There are many parts of Torah, and each part of Torah is a remedy for a different part of the body. Holy tzaddikim, who know what that remedy is, where that is, can study it directly. Us simpletons, we have to study the whole Torah to get all the benefits. But in simple words, we are now about to read the portion of Amidbar, which is the Shabbos, before the holiday of Shavuot, the holiday of Matan Torah, when God gave the Torah on Sinai. And as the Aridah says, this wasn't a one-time act. But every year on Shavuot, every year on Matan Torah, God, once again, renews this commitment, renews this contract once again brings the torah on sinai with greater light and greater energy and greater glory and so we hope and pray that as we know the world truly needs healing and god's blessings so this year shavuot should be a year of true healing and a year of true peace and tranquility and so we hope and pray to wish one the other as it is the custom to wish everybody the hatodah of to be able to receive the torah through joy and to internalize it, and to receive the Torah, Kabbalah Zataydah, not only on the level of intellect, but to be able to receive the higher level of Torah, the Achas the one Torah that God, the one God spoke, and to receive this Torah, which is Hefker, to receive the Torah, which is no man's land, which is beyond the physical intellect, and to be able to internalize this within the human intellect. Within the finite mind to comprehend the infinite, which is the blessing of Sinai with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days. And again, to make sure, even though you cannot go to the synagogue this year on Shavuot, to have a lot of cheesecake and to have a lot of cheese blinces and to celebrate you and your family. And remember you, you who are the, the akedas Sabayus, the mainstay of the home, the mothers and the wives and the women of the home, to create this Shavuot atmosphere and to truly bring joy and healing to the entire world. It's great to see everybody. We love you all. If you need something, please call me. Please contact me on my WhatsApp or email. You can call me 24 seven. We're here to help, to make sure you have everything you need from food to healing to, to support. And we're looking forward to seeing you very, very soon back in the Shul and the ultimate Shul The third holy temple with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days.